what we've got here is failure to communicate. From sunny Southern California, we bring you Meet Bridget, a podcast for building confident communication and female badassery. We spotlight women who have bridged the gaps in their lives by building strong relationships and speaking their teenage dreams into reality. I wanted to try it out and like see if yeah. I can handle yeah. this. I feel like that is a trait that I have and I value because it pushes me to try new things and it's like led me to new chapters. Welcome back to Meet Bridget. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Asha Gabriel. And I'm Kashia Rosenberg. And together we run a confidence and communication platform for teen girls called Bridget. This is our podcast, Meet Bridget. So welcome back. We have a very special guest on the show today. Asha and I are geeking out. We're both so excited and haven't been able to stop laughing. And we barely have hit the record button. Jonica de Guzman is a Filipino-American copywriter who has segued into social media and content development. She's worked as a model branding and advertising agency copywriter. She's a founding member of LA Downtowner, an online periodical self-described as an insider's view of downtown's culture, food, drinks, and the people who shape it. And she is also one of our very dear friends. Jonica now leads social media and content at the world's largest shared electric vehicle company, Lime. She is a true creative, continuously working at her mastery of copy and content. She's also a passionate foodie, and without question, one of the most charismatic and hilarious people I have ever met. Jonica and I first met as models almost 15 years ago, and we were instant friends. Since then, we shared an apartment together for a chunk of time and so, so many memories along the way as we developed personally and professionally. So it is an honor to have you here, Jonica. I'm so, so excited. Every time I leave conversations or time with you, I feel so filled up and I just have had so much laughter. So I'm excited for you to be on the pod and for us to get to have this time with you. So welcome. Thank you. Welcome. I'm excited to be here. I'm just honored you wanted to share my story with your audience. <laughs> and I just feel like this is awesome. We're just hanging out together. So thank you. Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I actually don't think I've ever left a conversation with you, Jonica, where my cheeks didn't hurt after from just you're like so laughing cute. oh my god no but you guys like bring it <laughs> out of me you're all you, all your own witty selves <laughs> my husband we obviously both follow Jonica but she has a food account too that Andrew particularly loves but a little bit post today like and he's dying laughing I'm like it's just like you are just a very uniquely hilarious and like clever person so and like probably one of the most fun people to eat a meal with ever <laughs> that is just all I live for yeah that buffet yeah. in Miami will never be the same yeah, yeah. remember we just like looked at each other we're like do you want to go get a buffet <laughs> during a bachelorette party well I'm really excited because I feel like especially copywriting but mostly like all these kind of like creative content production jobs that are available nowadays. When I was in college, like I didn't even know what that meant. I had no idea it was a job. I didn't know what it entailed or what you would do to go down that path. So I think that you've done a really good job of forging your own path and kind of pivoting from different things within creative fields. But how early I knew you, the things that you're really, really good professionally at, I see like you've taken traits that you naturally had and skills that you naturally had and really integrated them into your career and your cleverness and 
way with words and colors and visuals. Like you've had all these skills for a very long time and you've really found a career path that just heightens them. So I'm excited because I, I think that for probably a lot of young women, they haven't heard about copywriting or, you know, all of the creative different roles that you've played. So yeah, so I'd love, I mean, we always, you know this, we always go back to the the beginnings of when you were a young girl and what you were like before school as you started school. So take us back to little tiny Jonica. <laughs> little old me. So yeah. <laughs> First generation Filipino American. I grew up in Torrance, California, which is a suburb just like 30 minutes outside of Los Angeles. I grew up with my parents and my two older brothers. I was very blessed to have a pretty stable childhood where I was kept safe. We were all healthy. We had lots of family gatherings in typical Filipino fashion where just like millions of cousins, a copious amount of food, just loud with music and laughter. <laughs> And then, but also my parents were pretty strict. I grew up in a Christian household, so no dating, no looking at boys, like couldn't even watch certain TV shows like 90210 or The Simpsons or, and they were also pretty protective, I guess, because I was the only girl, the youngest. So for instance, like if I wanted to spend the night at a friend's house, my parents had to really make sure they knew the family, they had to trust them. And then I, yeah, later on, I realized I was kind of sheltered, but I was protected. So I guess, I don't know, it worked. But yeah, my parents, though, they were really encouraging. They would support me in anything that I wanted to do, whether it was ballet or piano or volleyball. My mom, she's very creative. So if whatever, if we were playing princess, picnic princess or whatever. She would just use her imagination and transport me into this world where I really believed I was a princess. So a lot of creativity. She would like make my own costumes. And then my dad, he's very analytical, very rational. He's the type of person that would speak in proverbs and just have wisdom in every conversation. So I feel like I've got both of their traits as far as being creative and sensible not the wisdom yet. Maybe when I'm older. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you give yourself enough credit there. <laughs> Not yet. But yeah, that's just how I kind of grew up. And having two older brothers, I guess they kept me a little tough. <laughs> mm -hmm. Taught me how to wrestle. Taught me how to be quick with comebacks whenever they would make fun of me. I, and I was like a really, really shy child. I'll look back at photos and videos and I would just see me not smiling and just kind of like hiding behind my mom's leg, clinging to her. I remember if an adult would just approach me and say, hey, how are you? How old are you? I would just stare at them, like, <laughs> like not interacting at all. So it took a while for me to grow out of that, but eventually. <laughs> I actually have there. a question because I know you to be such a complex and creative thinker, just like Asha said. So as a child, do you have any memories of like the things that would go through your head when situations like that would happen? Because like as an outsider, like let's just say I was somebody talking to a child being like, oh, hi, how are you doing? And that child's very shy. Like them not responding doesn't necessarily mean that they aren't thinking a thousand things. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't remember exactly like how I felt in the moment but I knew I felt very uncomfortable I just didn't know how to communicate with an adult and it could have been because my parents were very protective of me like maybe I just didn't have enough exposure I mean other than my family but you know like their friends or like people their acquaintances 
Yeah, I just remember, like, don't talk to me, please. Like, I'm just going <laughs> to hide behind my mom. Oh. <laughs> situation. Well, I always, I've always wondered, because I've met a few, you know, kids that I've seen grow into, you know, young adults that were like that when they were kids. And it's almost like, it's a little intimidating even as an adult when you talk, try to talk to a kid like that. And they just like, they stare at you and you're like, <laughs> did I say something wrong? <laughs> you know, but I've seen some of those kids develop into like the deepest thinkers and you realize that it's like, I've always kind of wondered like the kids that are like that when they're younger, maybe it's because they have so, so many things going on internally and so many thoughts or feelings or different things that it's like, it's hard to actually like kind of process through them and communicate because I've, some of those same kids, it's like they grow a little bit older and then like you get them going on a topic or something and it's just like, boom, you know, <laughs> explosion of thoughts and feelings and emotions. So I'm always curious about kids that are like that because I, I feel like there's always so much more. But yeah, I guess I was also very observant. So maybe I wasn't saying something I was outwardly communicating, but I was just taking it all in. That was and, actually my next question was like, would you say that you're the type of person who reads a room? Oh, yeah. Observant and listener. Yeah, definitely. I love hearing about your parents and kind of how you see that saw the different traits in them and their different tendencies, because I totally see both sides in you. You know, you have this obvious creative energy like your mom does and has to this day, like your mom was like helped make little things for your bachelorette that we all got. And I see that side, obviously, but your dad's side of being pretty like organized and analytical, like coming from someone that was a roommate with you, you know, when you were taking on, like you had a day job, but you were also doing all this like freelance creative work, which we'll get into later, but like having the structure and drive and discipline to like set aside hours for those things and structure it and really like create your own career that takes a lot of discipline and, you know, structure as well. So I'm excited to get into that and kind of, it's fun to see how you have identified some of those roots. How much older are your brothers than you? So my oldest brother, he is seven years older, and then the middle one, four. So okay. I would play with the middle brother, and then the oldest one, he was kind of like untouchable. <laughs> yeah. So much older. <laughs> yeah, like protector in yeah. a way. <laughs> so you said that they bullied you a little bit? A little. <laughs> made you you know, I just like typical sibling, you know, making yeah. fun of how I looked because I grew, you know, so fat too tall too quickly so everything was just like out of proportion like my teeth were too big for my face like all of those like little things where siblings can just take a little jab um but because of that I had to like fight back and come up with comebacks just as quick as they were so I think that's where a bit of my humor had come from you do have you have like a quick wit but I wouldn't call you I wouldn't call it like sarcastic like there is sarcasm in your humor but like it's its own little, it's its own. <laughs> you have your own yeah. genre of like deadpan yeah. <laughs> slash, but like also like just so witty. And then like your laugh right after just always seals the deal. So <laughs> yes. It's like that monotonous. <laughs> 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 okay. So tell us what you were like. I know you were really shy and I can tell that you were very analytical from what you told us, but What was it like at school? Like, did you have hobbies? Like, were there outlets for your creativity at that time? Or did that sort of come on later? Like, describe some of the things that you were interested when you were younger and like kind of going into your teen years. Yeah. So I've always been interested in, you know, art, whatever those like arts and crafts 
day at school, elementary school, like anything I had to do with like using my hands. I loved those days. And then as I got a little bit older, I really enjoyed just any type of creative writing class. I would always take that. But it was interesting is in my household, even though my parents were Asian immigrant parents, education wasn't a priority for us. Mm -hmm. So it's just a funny like contradiction to what traditionally what an Asian immigrant family would have is just you know you have to be a doctor or a nurse or whatever yeah. it is yeah. but then my parents are like oh you got a C great like let's oh, get some ice cream what you learn from it you know <laughs> yeah so it was there there was more priority on you know like being a respectful human being mm -hmm. our religion but education wasn't really a huge thing but it was more of also exploring the different things that we were good at and then seeing how they can build from it so yeah writing was something I really enjoyed and they did support that but I mean I really didn't enjoy school <laughs> I would just yeah. go to do it <laughs> yeah like did you have an inkling of knowing what you wanted to do like taking those creative writing classes did you ever think like, oh, maybe this is something I could do professionally or were you like, how did you figure this out? Because obviously modeling and writing are two totally outwardly different things. I mean, both take a lot of confidence to produce work, to put out there for people to read or view or enjoy. But how do you see like those foundations starting to set in like in your yeah. teen years? Honestly, I had no idea this was a career choice. I really fell into it because I was going, while I was in college, I was looking for an internship, which I found off of Craigslist, believe it or not. <laughs> and that's where I landed at a branding agency to do just like, you know, marketing intern, everything from picking up lunch to answering customer service emails and then writing Instagram captions. Mm -hmm. So while I was there, I like knew I enjoyed writing. So I would just like take on whatever task they gave me. And I just kept saying yes to whatever it was. And it was really, I find it very, very just a blessing to have a manager who sees what you're potentially good at and is willing to like kind of stretch you like, oh, if you're good at this and let's just give you more and like see what else you can produce. So because of that, then it just kept leading. Okay, you wrote an Instagram caption. Now can you write this email? Can you write this whatever web page? And it just kept going. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm a copywriter now. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Because like, I, I want to go back to because so you got that internship in college, right? Mm -hmm. Even before that, I know you started modeling relatively young. Was it during high school? Yeah, right. Okay, so tell us a little bit just like just your high school experience, like friend groups and everything and what was going on at school, but then also like at home and when modeling came into the picture there. Yeah. So right before high school, my family, we moved to Santa Clarita. So brand new school, didn't know anyone. And during that summer before school started, I saw they had volleyball tryouts and I was like, you know, let me give this a try. I'm tall. Just put it to use. And then so I joined the volleyball team. I was super into it. I've never was never an athlete before. I couldn't even run a mile. But I applied myself and see how far I could take me. So I ended up, you know, playing for a bit. And then I was recruited onto the varsity team. And then I joined the club team. So volleyball was my life for a moment. I thought, this is what I'm going to, I'm going to get a college scholarship. I'm going to go in the Olympics and 
I'm going to be in the box of weenies. Like I really wanted (laughs) volleyball to work out for me. And then, so I was doing that. But then the following summer, that's when I started modeling. I'm sure from your experience, people are like, oh, you should be a model. You're so tall. You're so thin. Like you just hear it enough. You're like, all right, let me just give it a try. Especially being like, I mean, you're a native Angelino, really, or Angelino area, that you're kind of, it's all around here too. So yes. Probably not that it early. was much easier to just take the risk and see where it goes, it leads you. So my mom like snapped a few photos of me and then emailed it to LA Models. And I didn't know like they, they were going to see a potential in me because at that time I was still, you know, I was 14 going on 15, haven't really developed yet, was still shy I just never really like saw myself represented in magazines either too because mm-hmm. I'm not the standard beauty so I'm like oh like they think I have potential here like okay let's see where this goes yeah and then that's how I started modeling there were a couple moments where because I had to make the choice it's like do I want to continue volleyball or pursue modeling because if you miss practice you're out mm-hmm. And with modeling, you have to put in a lot of time as far as like going to castings and going to jobs and even missing school. So there's a lot of sacrifice. But when I started kind of booking jobs and I was like, all right, let's see where this goes and let's see how I can balance it. I think it's so interesting because to me, like as a self-described non-athlete who like joined the volleyball team and then as a self-described like shy and awkward person going into modeling I'm curious as to like how you kind of prepped yourself for that like it sounds like your mom was pretty supportive in like helping you along with these things but how did you sort of like shift your mentality from like okay this is really scary to let me just try it and see what happens yeah I feel like my mom had a big part in that as far as encouraging me and seeing where where my strengths are and it's like okay let's see where we can kind of help develop this but also for me personally I feel like that's where I kind of thrive like I even though as much as I hate a new challenge I love the feeling afterwards like even this doing a podcast like I never talk about myself this is I'm sweating right now (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was just like a glossy sheen no this is perspiration (laughs) but like I wanted to try it out and like see if I can handle this so even that with volleyball like all right just try I feel like that is a trait that I have and I value because it pushes me to try new things and it's like led me to new chapters in my life. Yeah. I feel like that was one of the things we like instantly connected over because I can totally relate to being like, especially when I was much younger, like very, very shy. And when I was like presented with the opportunity to model, it was almost like I had people around me telling me I should do it and that I could make money and do this and that. But I think internally I was like, it was almost represented this way for me to like prove to myself that I'm not eternally shy like yeah. there's a side that likes to perform you know or yeah. that I could I can do this and that 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 itself is like exciting so I feel like that's one of the reasons we've had so much <laughs> fun as friends because it's like want to try this like, yeah I do that <laughs> <laughs> and we would just do fun new things and rarely is anything but like fun exciting and at least a learning opportunity so yeah if it doesn't yeah, work I out it, like, explicitly <laughs> but I totally think that's one of the reasons like 
we just were fast friends. Yeah. It's actually, it's such an admirable trait. And I almost wonder if it's something that like your brothers sort of helped along because it's like that added challenge of like, okay, my brothers have always sort of like, you know, instilled that healthy sibling rivalry enough for you to be like, okay, well, I can get past hard things. I'd like to take a minute to say I have never been offered a modeling job in Los Angeles. Like no one's ever been like, hey, you're so tall. Like, do you want to take a picture? (laughs) But I will say I can completely relate to like that awkward feeling, especially as a younger person and like an unexperienced person, just like across the board in terms of like work, whatever, like creativity, talking to people. And there's a certain amount of like, I agree, where you like want to challenge yourself to prove I can still do this and not necessarily to anybody else, but just like internally, like I need to prove to myself that like, I'm going to try this. And regardless of the outcome, I'm going to be okay. Right. And I wonder like when you experience those junctions in life, like especially like trying something new like volleyball or modeling or even like your foray into copywriting a little later on, do you have like any mantras or like like pep talks that you would give yourself? Would you be like, Jonica, you can do this? Like, <laughs> or would you just like go into it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have to, even for presentations today, I have to do that power pose beforehand. <laughs> yes. Like, I need to do maybe like a couple squats in the corner so I get my heart pumping, like something. Yeah. But even, yeah, so even when I was younger, going to castings, so young, like 15 years old, and you really, they only select you because of your look. And I had to understand that it's not me. It's not anything personal. I had to realize it's okay. They were looking for a blonde model. They weren't looking for an Asian model today. So understand that. That doesn't mean you don't think you're pretty yeah. or- that it's like it doesn't discount what you are and it's like such um, a impressionable age it's like is it me like did I do something yeah. wrong did it was my handshake not firm enough like <laughs> did I not make a good impression yeah. but I kind of because I had to kind of walk out feeling taking it personal I feel like that I don't know there's maybe moving forward like it's nothing about me at the moment it's just I don't know. It's it's the circumstances. It's don't take it personal. Move on and see how you can imp- improve the situation next time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you have to be able to like separate yourself in those settings that it's like, okay, in this setting, I am in a way a product, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's like they're looking for a specific product. It's like they're shopping at the grocery store and like, do they want my brand or do they, do they like another brand, you know? Exactly. And, and you almost have to like separate your that from your your whole approach. And it is hard as like a, as especially as a young woman. I feel like that compartmentalization, that like ability to remove yourself emotionally from the situation in like a healthy way is something that's very advanced. And I wonder, did your dad have an impact on that? Because you mentioned he was very analytical and he was very organized and the type of person to speak in Proverbs. And so I can totally see that those traits presenting themselves as, you know, how you would problem solve through these different areas. Yeah. Would you agree? It's funny because I've never really thought of it that way, but I totally see that's where I got it from because my parents are opposite. My mom's a lot more emotional. My dad's just very rational and thinks with his head. 
So I think that's totally where I got it from and just kind of taking a step back and assessing everything from the situation to how I'm feeling and just kind of like, okay, let me regroup. Let mm-hmm. me come back to this. And then maybe I'll cry later. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I reckon that's what you do. <laughs> but yeah, that's really interesting. And thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> now, during this time, so you're in high school, you're sort of still playing volleyball, you're modeling. Where did you kind of find you that you were able to like make friends? Did you have several friends? Did you have a couple like really strong friends? What did your kind of support system outside your family look like? Yeah. So you met Kristen at my bachelorette and Mm -hmm. she also had just moved to our high school. She had come from Australia that year. So we were both brand new and that's how we kind of clicked like, oh, you have no friends. I have no friends. Let's be friends together. (laughs) She's also very tall. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, and that's, she's just been my best friend since then. And it's been, oh my gosh, like 18, 19 years now. Did she play volleyball too? She played basketball and she was always so supportive while I was doing modeling, while I was doing volleyball. She even came with me a couple of times to some of our jobs and like LA models parties, like along with my parents, they would, yeah. we all went to like a club in Hollywood. Yeah. Your mom came with yeah. you, me and Sophia. We went to a club together. Oh my God. Yes. Absolutely remember that. And it was <laughs> so fun my mom's <laughs> always around yeah she's a chaperone <laughs> yeah because we were all so young too at that age it was, it was kind of nice to have her there yeah <laughs> I love it so you would say like Kristen was kind of like your your best friend through that yeah we had a, a group of friends we all just kind of found each other because they all a couple had also had just moved schools but Kristen's the only one I really kept in touch with and I think even during that time she was the one I just gravitated closest to yeah totally what about like in modeling because I know we eventually I I didn't start until I was like 17 going on 18 and that's when I met you and we became fast friends and kind of like a little group started forming then but in the modeling world like did you find it easy to make friends with some of the other girls or did you know was that a little slow to start were you intimidated by anyone being you know, just like getting into actual friendships in that industry? Yeah. Like even to this day, my closest friends are from modeling. And that's part of like what makes that experience so just, I cherish it so much. It's just the friendships. But I mean, you know, you're you're at a job for hours. So there's plenty of time to kind of just chat with people. You know, sometimes there were a few that did intimidate me because maybe they were like a supermodel or they had a lot of bookings i'm like oh they're they're top model i, I shouldn't even right. talk to them or from like another country and they have yeah, exactly or they're older or younger like you know there were there were so many different like yeah i remember feeling like i had never met so many people from around the world you know until that point and people that were real immigrants like they just you know they got here last week and they're mm-hmm. from you know yeah and it was really <laughs> eye-opening to just see how much they wanted modeling too, because they needed to either they needed to support their family back home. And I just had so much respect for that. Whereas for me, I was doing it for fun. Yeah, it came from a place of privilege. But I always when it came to finding my like friend group, I always was gravitating towards, I don't know, like yourself, people who were in the corner studying because they had to (laughs) finish their homework or whatever. 
or and just the ones that had were having fun like it wasn't competition amongst each other you know I mean sometimes we're all fighting for the same job but the ones were there to genuinely just enjoy each other's company because we see each other all the time all the time and we were traveling together and staying in hotels together and and stuff so it's it kind of like really fosters like fast friendships yeah if you're and that young age with so many girls coming in from around the world vying for similar positions and like you said some of them were doing it out of necessity some were doing it for fun did you find that you were that it was like a clicky environment at times like did you ever feel the pressure to like fit into certain groups or was it one of those things like where you could just kind of seek out like-minded people and like be at peace with what you were doing I don't know if I would call it clicky, but there were groups from my experience based on age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I was always with the younger ones and my mom and their moms would hang out together at the jobs. And then there were the older models who have been doing it for a while. They have all the tips and tricks and mm-hmm. words of wisdom to share. And sometimes they would kind of like look out for you, which I really appreciated. Yeah. And then there were groups that like would just come in from different cities, just different seasons. So you'd only see them for a little bit and then they'd go travel to a different market. So yeah, that was just kind of like how I saw the different groups within the industry. So when you were like nearing the end of high school, what was sort of your outlook on like approaching college? Were you thinking like about how long you wanted to model or like at what point you wanted to like stop modeling and do something else? Like What were you kind of thinking for yourself as you were like rounding out high school? Oh, my gosh. So, like I said, education wasn't a huge priority. So I didn't really have any direction as far as like, okay, this is what you need to do. You need to take your SATs. You need to pick a major. I was just like, I'm going to go to community college first. So I went to Santa Monica College. I didn't know what route I wanted to take. I just knew I just needed to get some credits. Like I wanted to be in school and get it done. I don't know where it's going to take lead me to, but I know that modeling isn't my end goal and I need a backup plan because I've seen it. I've seen others where it didn't work out for them. And, you know, there's a short shelf life with modeling. So I just knew... I had to have something to carry me over when I start getting wrinkles. <laughs> and especially then, I feel like it's slightly less so now, but then it was like, it was very much like you had to be this tall and these were like your measurements for your like bust, waist and hips. And like, you know, it was very much like, and your skin had to look this way. And, you know, it was like, you either fit that profile or if you like were getting older and you didn't fit that anymore, like. It was just kind of cut and dry where Mm -hmm. I think there's a little bit more fluidity to that now and that, you know, people have all these platforms and ways to create other opportunities for themselves. It wasn't so, so much like that when we were, you know, facing it down as a potential career. It is actually, it's really nice to see the beauty and fashion industry take a pivot because there was a period of time, especially for girls our age. And I don't know if this affected either of you because you were in that world, but it was like, this was the time where like Lindsay Lohan and the Paris Hiltons and everybody was like being photographed and lauded for being so 
thin and skinny yeah. and oh my god she's nice yeah, yeah and she's 91 pounds like she looks fantastic and like as a teenager I mean you have girls who you know look nothing like that looking at it and yeah. thinking okay is this what it's supposed to be like and I mean I'm five feet and like 120 pounds yeah. what usually so it's like well when I don't have a baby inside of me <laughs> but <laughs> But yeah, so did that, I mean, it just strikes me as like so nice and wholesome to see like two individuals be able to talk about like growing a beautiful friendship within this world that is so far from removed from anything that like I can understand or know of. Yeah. I almost felt like with, like with Runway specifically because we were, we were booked in groups and honestly, I, th I feel like clients would see groups of like the friends forming too and then group like they'd book us in groups because yeah. like okay well cool. like a the asian girl got you know friends with the indian girl and there's a blonde <laughs> girl too and like then they just kept booking us over and over all together because they knew we all got along and worked well together and they would book us in the uh, same hotel room which was the best yes it was so <laughs> like, i literally have photos of jonica and i like jumping on the bed like we're like eight years old but just having the best time but you know i think that having that camaraderie made took something that felt sometimes a little bit like inhumane like mm -hmm. okay here's the size of clothes do you fit it or not you know and if you don't someone else has to wear it because you're too big for that like that can feel kind of yeah like a piece in a way but then you had we were doing it alongside each other so it kind of added this humanity to it so looking back I'm really grateful for that I don't know if you're yeah I agree I think it's like it maintained some sort of childlike energy in us because we would just yeah. have fun and laugh and giggle joke about yeah after fitting <laughs> or like I tore the zipper or whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> silly things like that and it like kind of brought it back down to like a we're all just young girls mm -hmm. you know going going through this yeah so how because you didn't I mean I don't know that you still take any bookings now it seems to me that you're like very immersed and successful in what you're doing so I'd love to hear how you started to make the transition you spoke about it a little bit earlier in terms of like starting with a Craigslist ad and just kind of diving into it and seeing what was like the spark behind what was the moment where you were like oh I really like doing this and I think this is the direction I want to go in okay so the moment where I was like this is it I found my calling I don't know if it was like an exact moment but then I started realizing I'm enjoying what I'm doing and I'm excited to be here and I want more like yeah. give me more like I want more opportunity where I can kind of prove myself and see that this is something I'm good at and it was when they had given me a project where I had to write taglines and headlines for this nail polish company and I was like hey, cool nail polish I use that I'm a consumer I understand what people want out of a nail polish so you want something that lasts and doesn't chip and something that just really works for your lifestyle so yeah, that kind of exercise as far as looking at the product as a consumer and then finding moments that's relatable and how I can write copy that speaks to that. Yet it kind of, I don't know, adds, I don't know, a little humor, <laughs> a little yeah, humor. Yeah. <laughs> Attention grabbing. Yeah. Too. Like, so I really, really enjoyed that kind of exercise and 
just putting words to paper and then design supporting those words. And I was like, whoa, these two work hand in hand. This is how <laughs> copy, advertising, branding, all of this, this is how it all works. So seeing it put together, seeing it in a presentation on this huge screen in the office, seeing like my words and then later printed in a magazine ad, I was like, oh my gosh, I made it. I'm Peggy from Mad Ben. So <laughs> like I've always wanted to beat her. I was um, literally just thinking that too in my head. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I've never really thought about copywriting this way, but now that you're kind of like describing the process, it, it's kind of magical because it's like you're describing all these ina- inanimate things like nail polish, you know, words on paper, a display, the colors or whatever you're using for branding. These are all inanimate things, but you really like when you're putting things together and thinking through the consumer's reactions and stuff, like once it's all there, you create feeling, mm-hmm. you know, and a response and a reaction and almost like it breathes life into these combinations of things that don't have life before. Exactly. So there must be something really exhilarating about yeah, that. Yeah, I always think copywriting, because sometimes I'll be asked, like, what is copywriting? And it really is everything you read from a brand. So from the product name to the email you get in your email that goes straight to your junk or whatever web page on their website. It's everything that's written. But then it's also more than that. It's the personality of the brand. Like friends, you have millions or not millions. We have a lot of friends and each one has a different personality. But there is always that you have one friend you go to for whatever reason. But also with brands, every brand has its own personality. And then that's what you connect with the consumer is that tone of voice, that personality, the thing that keeps them coming back to you. Kind of like what comes to mind, I feel like a lot of us have heard the story behind like Lululemon and how they established such like a good brand is like they really have a sense of like their consumer is this and they've literally like they created mm-hmm. a woman. Director. Oh, she, she's 30 something. She lives in Santa Monica. Yeah. She does this. And like she's, you know, decently socioeconomically status that like they can come with all these details to then be like, okay, if that is our main customer, this is how she wants to be talked Mm -hmm. to. They develop like a brand voice out of that, like really specific vision of who they're speaking to. And I've always found that like super fascinating. Yep. You nailed it. (laughs) So, okay. So you're, you got this internship developed into more of a like full-time job. You're stretching yourself. You're learning how to write copy for different brands. What was going on with like your your personal life at this time? So at this time, I was still living with my mom. We, yeah, just the two of us. Uh, right after high school, my parents divorced. So my dad moved to the Philippines and then I was just living with my mom. And yeah, she was just kind of helping me out. Like, okay, you want to get into this internship? All right, let's, she was just supporting as far as financially and just emotionally because <laughs> it was totally. like the first time where I had a kind of like nine to five job where in modeling yeah. you just wake up go to a casting and maybe have lunch <laughs> like, yeah. and then so my well, yeah. yeah some days you're working like 12 hours on set and then some yeah. days you're like what do I yeah like, exactly it's so inconsistent <laughs> so my yeah. body was not used to this regiment that I ended up getting shingles ridiculous too much stress for me but yeah, and then that was, that was about, I mean, personal life, I wasn't dating anyone, just trying to focus on like, I need to get myself together. Like I need to bring my best self to whatever relationship 
I'm going to get into and kind of I needed to have a sense of who I am and because I was kind of in between so I didn't know like am I sure. a retired model <laughs> and intern <laughs> I'm gonna go back to it or like what you know because that's I think that's a, something with modeling in kind of those industries too performative industries that it's like it's hard to leave because it's kind of there is always sort of some opportunity mm-hmm. there that you can go back to what about if you're comfortable talking about it you know at the time that your parents did divorce did you was it something that you saw coming or was it sort of like a, another big like identity shift for you to go through at that time yeah so it's interesting cuz even while i was kind of preparing for this i was reflecting i realized like it's something i haven't really talked too much about or i feel like maybe i like kind of shut that part of my life out maybe i didn't want to kind of get into it but it wasn't something i saw coming because my family we came from a christian household it's like divorce is a no-no like i believe on my dad's side it was the first divorce in his side of the family but growing up my parents they were never really, they're always fighting. I never really saw them very affectionate. I remember a moment where I went to a friend's house and I saw their parents just like cuddling on the couch and I was taken aback by that, which is pretty sad to like see, to be almost shocked that someone's parents were cuddling and I've never seen my parents ever do that. And it's like, oh, I, like, I never want my children to not see me affectionate with my husband. Like I want them to see a loving relationship and like this is what a marriage should be so when they did divorce it was of course very hard I didn't really I almost was a point where I felt like I had to choose sides too which was not healthy but later on I started seeing changes in my parents they are much happier now they have new partners And I feel like they really loosened up. Like growing up, I've never seen them drink alcohol. And now, like earlier, my mom went to the club with us. Like, what in the world? (laughs) I would never. It's like a shift in your. It's a shift in your worldview. I mean, it sounds like it kind of cracked things open. (laughs) (laughs) They were like being oppressed with each other. I remember, like when I first, you know, we became friends, and I started coming over, and we're hanging out. I remember observing your relationship with your mom and I was like, this is so cool. They're like friends, you know, like your mom was clearly your mom in so many ways and protecting and providing for you. But I remember thinking, I was like, wow, she, this is cool. Like they're like (laughs) girlfriends too. And I think that's just so, so cool to, to see, especially at that, that time in your life when you're kind of like finding your own and testing your limits and trying these new things as a, as a young adult to also have that really dynamic relationship with your mom. Yeah. I love that they, you know, despite, you know, despite their divorce and everything and how it sounds like that shook, you know, just your perception of like what a relationship was and, you know, who your parents were as people. I love hearing that after the fact, like you could really observe and see their happiness start to come out and evolve. Mm -hmm. And I think it takes a lot of maturity as a child of divorced parents to be able to like even acknowledge that. Yeah. You know, because it's like, I feel like for a lot of young, I mean, so many young people go through having their parents divorce, but you know, there's got to be some resistance to being like, they could be better separate mm-hmm. than they were 
together that like that takes a lot of maturity to even get to that point and be like and it's okay yeah you know there were moments where I was like why can't you just get back together like I would have those thoughts and I would yearn for that but then I would see I like the version of my mom better I like the version of my dad better like this is I have more fun with (laughs) you can start to see them as individual people Mm -hmm. so it was a good choice for everyone (laughs) yeah (laughs) Well, thanks for saying yeah. no, these not easy stuff to talk yeah. about. <laughs> Speaking of not easy, I wanted to take a quick moment to just kind of talk about your professional life. I love talking about awkward Jonica because oh, I have a lot. She, <laughs> she has made you into this, you know, glowing woman you are today. And I I know you kind of mentioned in like our prep and everything that you had some stories you wanted to share. And I think for a young girl looking at you, for like our audience looking at you, I think not that we want to judge a book by its cover by any means, but you are stunning. You're very well put together. You're very eloquent. Like your writing's impeccable. And I love that there is this side to you, which is like this awkwardness that you hold and that you talk about and that I think you should cherish if you don't. That has really sort of like led you down the path of like, okay, we're going to try new things. We're going to prove it to ourselves. We're going to do it anyways. We're not going to like live in that fear. Can you share with those young women who might think that like the path to success is paved with goals rather than failure, which it really is? Can you just share like a couple anecdotes from like your professional life that are like funny, but like also, you know, just that where that awkwardness might have come through and like the takeaway. Oh my gosh. Yes. Like the path is not paved with gold. It is rocky, <laughs> paved with vomit, maybe from so much nerves. <laughs> like I just have to laugh at every moment and exactly like you just learn from it. Hopefully you can get, <laughs> gain new experience and improve later on. But Still to this day, I have a hard time presenting and I took a Toastmasters class. I I really like challenge myself because I know it's something that I want to overcome. Maybe I never will, but each time I do it, I feel like I'm more confident, more comfortable. But yeah, the other like last week I had to present in my I could see my shirt moving from my heart beat just beating so hard. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> but The very first time I had to present a huge pitch while I was at the branding agency, it was, we had a meeting at the Walt Disney Concert Hall and we had everyone who is part of Grand Avenue. So it's like you have the LA Philharmonic, all of the marketing people who run those cultural institutions, they were all there and we were going to present a pitch on LA Downtown or the publication we started. and. My boss, the creative director at the time, she didn't know that I cannot handle these situations. She thought, oh, like, okay, I'll bring her along. Let's see. (laughs) You'll be be a help, but not. And I was already nervous. The car ride getting there, I could feel my heart start beating. And then we get to the place and we meet with everyone. We haven't even entered the room yet, but it was just the initial, hi, nice to meet you. And I started to feel really lightheaded. And when that happens, then my ears, everything goes silent. I start getting really cold. 
I don't know what happened, but I woke up next to the security guard fanning me and oh. everyone was gone. They all went into the room because they needed to start the meeting. Oh. <laughs> so I fainted before it even started and I ran into the room. I, my creative director at the time, she said I looked pale as a ghost. I was had cold sweats. And then from then on, everyone at the agency, they called me Panica, which was very <laughs> fitting. And I was like, I was just more, I like that. Please, that's a great nickname. <laughs> this is me in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. But, but I love that you just, you're able to kind of just, you take that and you like embrace it, you know, and, and then it becomes, it becomes so endearing, you know, yeah. this like, vulnerable with that awkwardness just like the way you kind of take it in stride and you're like yeah that's for real that is how I am it makes you so so just yeah delightfully relatable and I think it's empowering in a way too because it's like Asha said it's relatable it's like oh yeah you can like embrace all of these parts of yourself all of these fears and like still conquer and be a badass and like you know be a master at what you do and you don't have to be like this polished Pollyanna version of anything. No, um, <laughs> I feel yeah. like it's also to laugh at it is part of my healing process <laughs> because yeah. if I didn't, then I would be terrified for my next presentation yeah. or pitch and never would want to do it again. So if I think of it as like, oh, that was just a, a fluke in my <laughs> yeah. experience, like, okay, let me try again. Did you end up pitching again after the fainting incident? Oh, for that client, no. <laughs> <laughs> for any others? <laughs> but yes, for others yeah. I did. And each time I'm nervous, but it gets better and better. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I feel like that like embracing too of that side of you. I could see how it could probably lend itself to helping you feel more free with some of the risks that you take. Because I feel when you're when you're creating things around a brand's voice and coming up with copy and stuff, you have to take risks. You know, you have to go out on a on a limb and be like, this is my understanding of what your brand represents. And this is what I think is going to like speak to your customer. Like that's a big risk and yeah. that's a big statement mm -hmm. to have to go out like, and I'm confident in this, you know, but being able to say that like, and I'm comfortable with it, you know, that takes, that's all part of it is, is to have that comfort in the discomfort and like, yeah, maybe we flop and it's sweaty and uncomfortable <laughs> and maybe it's great, you know, that's I always part of. Yeah. Or go ahead. <laughs> no, but that's part of anything in the creative industry, whether you're a graphic designer or a copywriter, you you always present options to the client. Like there's a safe option which you think they're they're familiar with and what they know. And then there's an option that is a little yeah, a little risky. It's outside of what they're used to, but you know that's like the direction they should go. Mm -hmm. And you really have to just trust yourself because you're the one selling it to them if you yourself don't get it they're not going to get it so you really have to yeah have faith in your work <laughs> totally. I didn't even think about that that like when you write copy you have to have like probably a couple different versions right mm -hmm. like because yeah. as a creative that is using your creativity for as your career and getting paid for the work that you do like you have to also be able to sell yourself and they have to be able to say, okay, like of choice A, B, and C of what Jonica is presenting, like, I think I like this one. So how do you separate yourself from 
like being so married to your work because it takes it takes a lot to like pour creativity into something. So like, how do you produce things and like tell yourself like, you know, I can't be so attached to it or whatever. Like, what's yeah. that process like? So with every project, big or small, you're going to get feedback. Sometimes you just have to take your ego out of it because there there will be moments where you're like, I really, really believe in this concept, this line of copy. Like, I think this is the one that's going to get your customers like excited. But then the client could be like, no, that's horrible. Or they start suggesting edits and it just becomes this Frankenstein of a sentence. And you're like, this is not where it started. Like, what did (laughs) you do? And then so you just kind of have to roll with it and not feel so attached to it. Of course, you're going to fight for it if you really, really believe. But at the end of the day, the client is the one who makes the decisions, cuts your check. Like, (laughs) yeah. Have you ever had a piece or like, yeah, have you ever had work go out that's like, like you said, been Frankenstein and like, oh, yeah, you've had to like look at it. I don't even want to claim it. It's my work anymore at that point. (laughs) I'm like embarrassed. (laughs) Yeah. Like that would be just so, so It is frustrating for many people on the creative teams. The idea, sometimes it's so far from the end product that Mm -hmm. it's like, can I even say I worked on this? Like, (laughs) can I put this in my portfolio? But that's part of it. You in order to be successful in this field, you kind of have to not have a ego attached to your work. Yeah, kind of be a little more analytical, mm-hmm. like that side. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, see it a little bit more like, okay, well, this is this is the scenario. This is who's paying mm-hmm. for it. And this is how the going to be made. But I, I mean, I never really thought about copywriting and you know that industry as also being like it is for a, a large part of it is sales. You know, you are doing a sales pitch of your ideas. Mm-hmm. For- feedback and ultimately you let your child your client choose and it's like as working like real estate like we have a very similar experience with because you're ultimately in sales so it's like you give your advice you give your pointers but at the end of the day like your client's going to do what they want to do and it's like i'm just here to answer questions and like give my two cents but like if you completely disagree with me and you still want to do this then it's your choice it's your money (laughs) it's what you got to like release that but i can imagine like having that married with you know, creative, very personal work is definitely you have to be able to toggle between those two parts of your brain, really. Yep. Which is that, I mean, from a very early stage, you've been very, very good at doing. Can you tell us a little bit about, because now you work in-house for a company, which is different from working for like an agency where you're doing like, okay, this copy job and then that copy job, and then to go in-house somewhere. What was that like evolution for you like going from an agency job to, you know, working in-house. You had other roles before the one you have right now, but tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so there was a big learning curve for me because coming from an agency, you don't have different teams involved. Like you're not working so closely with the marketing team or the research team. You're just working with your own team and then you have the account team relaying the message between you and the client. But So, yeah, transitioning to that was, I think it was more of a getting used to working with teams, getting all of their feedback, because now we're all one giant collaboration with everyone and everyone has an opinion. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, it's like trying to kind of wrangle that. And it was interesting working for 
one company, then you really get a good understanding of who their customer is, what their journey has been as far as like from product inception to just like to the end where you're launching a 360 campaign. Because agency, you're only involved at the tail end where, okay, we're ready to put this in the market, but you don't know what went into it, what their thought process along like the entire journey. Product development. Yeah, all all of that. All of the things that they do with their actual clients and test groups. Exactly. They have learnings that wasn't related to us. Like they already learned, oh, this product didn't resonate well with this demographic. And we might not have known that and probably worked on something that just didn't make sense. So, but being in-house, you kind of have a little bit more visibility into just learnings and all of that. And then also in-house, like things just take a lot longer to get approved. (laughs) There are many, many levels in the chain of command and that was like the difference but to me personally i i am enjoying being in house much more because yeah you're like this is the brand i work for like this is how i can kind of approach whatever is a product a service anything like i understand our consumer a lot more than if we were just as a consultant as an at the age yeah, you know yeah so now yeah. it's like there's probably that like that excitement of having different clients all the time but then it's it's like dating versus like yeah person. It's like, <laughs> exactly. or it's like there's benefits to both but like being able to be like oh actually there is something so nice about being so deeply ingrained mm-hmm. with one yeah. that's like you your ability to like grab that brand voice and and vision and all the history and stuff just is so much more I don't know full yeah well okay so we we're talking a little bit about you know, working in-house versus having worked at an agency. So tell us a little bit more about just where you're at in your career right now, where you kind of like, do you have upcoming challenges that you're, you kind of have on your horizon? What's kind of coming up personally for you? How do you, how do you kind of see things right now? Yeah. So where I'm at right now, it's so interesting because it's a role that took every piece of my entire experienced like from when I started working till now so I started Lime as a social media manager and I really didn't have any social media experience at all I was even like are you sure you want me for this job but then I had to like okay they hired me because they see I, I have something that their current team is lacking so that experience had come from content from LA Downtowner and now I'm leading the social media and content development where I'm producing photo shoots and that experience like from modeling like I remember just totally. like putting like all the whole production for a shoot just kind of like yeah, observing all the different people exactly and that. then now it was funny just the recent shoot we did I actually reached out to LA models to book a model for our shoot and my yeah. yeah and I reached out to my previous booker and he was like oh my gosh what is this full circle yeah so yeah it's just interesting how everything kind of lined up and it was I guess because I kept saying yes to different challenges but now I'm like managing someone which is a new role for me I really find it super fulfilling because I want to be able to teach her everything that she wants to know because I've been in positions where I've had managers that were just very helpful as far as teaching me things and seeing my strengths and helping me kind of cultivate that. So I want to be able to do that for her. 
And yeah, I feel like that's like the latest challenge. But I mean, also working from home is pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's no, it's like, there's yeah. no separation from church. No. Eight. You like five o'clock rolls around and you're like, God, do I answer this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, I wake up, come to this spare bedroom office, leave to go eat, come back, <laughs> go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should start like getting dressed in the morning and then like being like, bye Tim. <laughs> I'm going in. I'm ready for my commute. Yeah. <laughs> Just like shake it up a little bit. <laughs> There's so much traffic. Oh, no, I feel like there's so many benefits to it, but I also feel like it takes a lot of yeah mental gymnastics to kind of be like, okay, now I'm in work mode, and now I'm going to focus on this, yeah. and then I'm going to switch back to this, and then but I'm still at home, and you know all the things about yeah. your home are still and also uh, like working in social budget. media. I can't turn off social media. Yeah, you can't like, yeah. not be on Instagram. <laughs> so if I'm like hours. on it just scrolling on my own personal feed, yeah. I feel like I'm working because I'm like saving things. I'm like, oh, that was an interesting yeah. post. Yeah, you're like, this is research. So uh, <laughs> just staring at screens for yeah. almost 24 hours a day is pretty intense, but we're all, we're all yeah. in it. We're all managing. <laughs> yeah. This begs the question, as a paid creator, what do you do to kind of like take a step back and like refill your cup and give yourself time for you oh, and yeah. daily life yeah so yeah. my husband and I we've been camping where we go to really remote areas and there's no cell phone service and to me that is just so like that fills my soul <laughs> I feel I like I am just being recharged I cannot stay indoors on the weekend I have to mm -hmm. get outside mm -hmm. because like I'm here all week yeah just be able to disconnect and doing things with my hands <laughs> not like typing but like working on something uh, well we could probably talk to you all night but we promised that we would only take up an hour of your time and we're far over that <laughs> so, so i wanted to I start like every minute <laughs> yes i'm savoring it i wanted to start wrapping up and like transitioning into our fast five it's just it's been so amazing being able to sit with you and view you through this lens as your friend, I adore and admire you and I'm a fangirl. And as a fellow creative, well, as a creative wannabe, like I look at you and I think that your path is really inspiring and what you do every day is just like, you know, you're you're on another level, Jonica. <laughs> you just oh, really are. And I'm excited you. for our girls to listen to this and to have, you know, a lot of takeaways, which I have myself. So thank you for coming on. But before we wrap everything up, we always like to do our little fast five and our little like favorite last question. So should we hop into those? Yes, do, do it. You, do you want to start or shall I start? You can start. Okay. As my favorite foodie, which Ooh, we didn't yeah. really touch on that much, but if you could only no. eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, I know this. I've answered this a few times and I know it. <laughs> <laughs> crab legs, steamed crab legs oh. with butter. And then if I can add a side, Picanha, which is Brazilian's top sirloin. Oh my god, that sounds delicious. <laughs> Casual <laughs> for, for dessert steak. <laughs> You're definitely like a savory oh, person. Yeah. Like, love a good dessert. But actually, during That's this pregnancy, cool. I've been craving sweets, which is unlikely. Oh, really? Yeah. This is a question one, part B. Yeah. What's been like your like most ridiculous pregnancy craving? It's I've been eating a lot of waffles with maple syrup. Oh my god, so oh. good. 
John, I have to send you this recipe. I think we've talked about this. I'm also a savory person. And the most bizarre thing about this pregnancy is like, I want things like shortbread or like jam cookies. I have to send you. Yeah, I have to send you this recipe for lemon ricotta pancakes. Oh, (laughs) now I'm really getting sweaty. (laughs) I feel like I'm kind of an opposite. I like savory things, but like when I'm my period, normally I'm like, I want a sweet thing. But this pregnancy, my second pregnancy, all I want is freaking spring rolls. Like I want like, oh my God, yeah. still. <laughs> no, I can't get enough. I was like, Andrew, can we get bamboo bistro? Like, <laughs> get enough of like the peanut oh, sauce yeah. and like sweet and sour, like all these like the funk, I, the I, funk like, that slaps you in the face. That's the good stuff. Weird, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like little fried little fishies Ooh, yeah. that go in there. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I can't get enough of these Asian flavors, which I feel like I'm on the opposite direction. You guys. We've like, somehow like crossed I know. Crossed over. Right past each other. So good. Okay. Fast five number two. Um what is a, a daily regimen or habit that you can't live without doing? Ooh, cooking. I enjoy cooking. I mean, yeah, food again. <laughs> to me, like I cook every day during the week. I cook every yeah. dinner. But to me, I feel like that's my therapy moment after work. I'm like, even during work, don't tell my boss, but I'm like looking up recipes <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what can I, what can I prepare? Yeah. Cooking is a therapy for me. <laughs> we should do a recipe swap. Okay. Number three. <laughs> and I'll come and sample. Oh yeah. <laughs> Taste How test. do you conquer writer's block? Oh my. You know what? I'm kind of embarrassed by it, but I go on Pinterest there's a lot to just so much absorb. Yeah. I don't know if it's like my writer's block moment, but it's definitely something I use for inspiration. So yeah. if I'm like, okay, how, I need to think about something at a different angle. Let me type in that and see what pops up. So Pinterest, or even if I'm having writer's block, sometimes I need to like stop what I'm doing, cleanse my mind. Maybe I'll listen to like a stand-up, some comedian stand-up like on YouTube, like something yeah. to just like reset me like, I need a little laughter yeah. and then I can get back to, into it. I <laughs> yeah, love that. Laughter, <laughs> food, and Pinterest. <laughs> well, that like flows right into our next question. So you are like one of the most hilarious people I've ever met. It's like a natural sense of humor and comedy that just is who you are. <laughs> so I always wonder, I'm like, what so funny, funny people, like where, what is your source of like laughter and comedy? Do you have like, a go-to that like will always make you laugh? You know, so my husband, even though he's very quiet, he's funny. I that's like <laughs> the when he made some that's jokes when we first started dating, I'm like, this is my kind of humor. And Aww. we still make the same kind of jokes and it's I feel like it's only only we get it because you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. yep. Yeah. He's he's my source of inspiration. Sometimes if I have a copy project, like I'll have him work with me on it because I know his brain just like works on that wavelength. So yeah. <laughs> we'll work together. <laughs> awesome. I love that. Love that answer. Fast five, number five. If you could describe your personal style in three words, what would they be? Oh, God. During this pandemic, I've actually lost my sense of style. pajamas that's not true i've seen you recently (laughs) oh that's because i had to mentally think about it and prepare (laughs) i saw this tiktok and it was hot office girl and i'm like that's (laughs) me like i'm trying i want to be that i want to (laughs) be minimal 
put together but chic yeah I think you do a very good job with that okay well our final question which we always love to ask what was one quality that you had as a young woman that you maybe didn't take pride in then but that you really appreciate and love about yourself Hmm. well I guess it was being shy quiet like you know I wasn't the loudest one in the room but I realized that's because I was observing and listening and to me like I'm grateful to be a listener I'm able to like hear everyone's stories and kind of I don't know provide whatever advice I can or anything like that but it wasn't a negative trait and I realized it is a positive yes you are a great listener and I can attest to that on so many different levels and I do think it is a superpower so I love that answer yeah me too Ugh. Well, I just adore you and I'm so glad we were able to take this time. I'm excited for our listeners to hear this. Where can our listeners find you? Please also include your food profile Ooh. because it's hilarious. Oh, on the web, in person, however you Yeah, what's share. your address? Personal website is my name, jonicadeguzman.com. That's where all my copy and content stuff lives. And then my feeding, well, yeah, my food 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 instagram which is called feeding hour where can people feed you (laughs) i would like to be feed today oh my gosh well if our audience could see us they'd see that i like have makeup everywhere just from laughing and like from the joy of just sitting here with the both of you jonica it has been an absolute pleasure and a gift to spend this time with you and to be able to share who you are what you do how you became you with our audience and and I just just adore you <laughs> oh thank you well same here but not even just for this hour during this podcast has been an honor to like live life with the both of you and Aww. embark on this pregnancy journey together. yeah well so. I can't wait to feed you <laughs> <laughs> And with that, we will sign off. Thank you for part of Meet Bridget. Let's catch you next week. Same time, same place. And thank you, Jonica, for being here. Thank you. And that's our show. If you liked what you heard today, please like, subscribe to, follow, and share Meet Bridget with your circle. The best way to help our work here is to rate and review our podcast. We're listening and constantly working to build something helpful for you. Catch you next time. Did you have an awesome time? Did you drink awesome shooters and listen to awesome music and then just sit around and soak up each other's awesomeness?